Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Voice. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Folks, we have made it to the end of a marathon. This is the conclusion of the Birdsey Twins saga. So if you've made it this far, part five, congratulations. Let's get straight into it. This is Popcorn Book Club for My Heart Radio. And we're talking Wally Lambs. I know this much is true. Here we go. Welcome back to Popcorn Book Club. I'm Dana Schwartz. And as always, I'm joined by Karama Donkwa, Jennifer Wright, Tian Tran, and Melissa Hunter. And today we are wrapping up the Birdsey saga with I Know This Much Is True, the final chapters, colon, the final chapters. <laughs> oh, there, God. Is there a word for saga that's more saga than saga? Because this feels like that. Our, I will just say our group chat this morning was was popping off it feels appropriate to say mm-hmm. with all of our thoughts that we couldn't wait to share i looked away for feeling. one second and i had 50 messages <laughs> <laughs> the thing that i kept like thinking about as i read this was how smart it was that we divided this up into sections yeah. because yes. how would anyone talk about this book entirely like there's too much in 15 chapters I don't know if we can successfully. Like no. there's way too much going on. I will say I'm so glad we're done with this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do feel like so much of the conclusion was set up really perfectly, as evidenced by the fact that we were able to make predictions that turned out yeah. to be true. Like Karama pointed out that maybe he was going to turn out to be related to Ralph and yeah. they had the same father. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was and- wrong about the same father father part, but I was correct about them being related yeah. and the Birdsey twins secretly being mixed and their mother being ashamed of that. Yeah. And yeah. I was a hundred percent right. Yep. Amazing. You know, that, that was and really great. Jennifer, you predicted ending up with Dessa, which I was hopeful it would not happen. Yeah. So I, like, I really okay. didn't think it was going to go there. I was so mad. Um, look, I was less mad than I expected to be. I think one of the things that I did like about this book was I think it really grappled with toxic masculinity before that was a thing a lot of people were talking about. And I'm sure we all have 
very flawed men in our lives. And my my hope isn't that I'll write them off entirely. My hope is that they'll get therapy and they'll learn to talk about their feelings and they'll evolve and become better people. And it seems like, you know, Dominic really tried to do that. And mm-hmm. he sort of saw through his grandfather and through Ray what happens if you live a life dedicated to being a tough guy? Um, yeah. And what happens is you end up alone and maybe lose a limb in the process. So, yeah. uh, you know what? Those those are great lessons for him to learn. Like, I'm glad he went to Dr. Patel and really worked on himself. And maybe he'll be able to have better relationships now. That's I, That's hopeful. Yeah, I will say I did like that I felt that Dominic's growth was real. Like yeah. a lot of books, I feel like at the end, it's just like, and I changed, I'm better now. But I like that it actually showed him like doing the actual work of going to therapy and like revisiting really hard moments from his past and uncovering trauma and, you know, revisiting his grandfather's story and getting yeah. the right messages out of it. So I was like, okay, I like that our character through all of this is growing and learning and changing. But what I didn't love is that the way the ending was structured, it felt like you went to therapy. Here's your reward yes. of the woman you love yeah. and a million dollars. Like I, I also, Dana, they, they were like, and you're done with therapy now. Yeah. Like yeah. that's you're not cured. what therapy is. It's you're like cured. an ongoing process. And the end of it that he like, He's absolved of all of his racism and all of his like <laughs> yeah. white passing privilege and complicity and in sexism. white supremacy and sexism. Like that bothered me that it, I love that it tackled toxic masculinity, but the like neat little bow tie at the end of it that mm-hmm. also like kind of wipes away any of his other transgressions was like, Wally, this is too easy. Yeah. I think we can all collectively agree that Dominic did not deserve a million dollars. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think oh. I, we were yeah. talking about on the group chat that it would have been something if he had just given it back to the tribe or given it to Ralph, like, and just maintained his, because he didn't, he didn't deserve that money. No, I think it's, that's not he, who it's for. No. He deserved to find out who his father was, but he didn't yes. deserve to all of a sudden benefit from the one privilege <laughs> this tribe will ever get after living uh, a life of prejudice. And like, it feels crazy. Uh, and, and more it's importantly, like, I deserved to know who his father was. And I will <laughs> say that is the one thing about the I'm neat little bow that, at the end Karama. that yeah. I appreciate. <laughs> I, I love a bow with a narrative, but the, the money is not for the person who not only benefited from his white passing privilege and, you know, the, the systems of white supremacy, but like actively wielded them as weapons specifically yeah. against yes. the drink water. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Twice. Once as a child. And then as an adult, specifically against the drink waters. And didn't really do much to be like anti-racist about it at all. Like his progress was him finding out that his father was a drink water. And then he was like, oh, okay, things are good. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I can't be mad. It's like saying yeah. you have a you have a black friend, but you have a black dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to say we are starting at the very end. There was a lot that yeah. happened yeah. in those 17 chapters, yeah. I think, that we that's read. A, that's a so good, that's a good point. 
Yeah. Can I yeah, just say so. one thing? Karama, was it, did you look at the end and say that you saw that the last sentence was, I know this much is true? Yes, I, I did. For some reason, so much time has passed that I thought you were joking. So then when I saw it, <laughs> <laughs> when I saw it in real time, I was like, this should be illegal. That you should not be, <laughs> you should not be allowed to end a book with the title of. I just is like I can't believe this. You well, know, and they also say it twice in the book. I they know. mentioned that full phrase oh. once in Prospering's story, and then at the very end. And the first time I was like, oh okay, but then I remembered that I had already seen it at the end, and I was like, wait, what? You know that Wally really thought he was doing something with that. He was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did like a little typing face. I did like a <laughs> my impression of Wally smugly finishing this book. And it was adorable really and apt for the yes. listeners. It is so interesting how the whole big secret of Thomas and his mom like playing dress up and have and he was dressing like a woman and like and that it was that was the the worst of Ray's abuse mm -hmm. was seeing Thomas literally dressed as a woman. And I think it Thomas and Dominic, at least throughout the book, do feel like the feminine and the masculine. And then D Dominic sort of absorbs or like releases some of that toxic masculine, typical masculine energy. And it absorbs some of Thomas's sweet sweetness, mm -hmm. as they always say, the sweetness. That's such an important observation that that is the main secret that yes. that Dominic has been holding on to all this time that he he has to build up to even be able to like acknowledge to himself. Which to me, like reading the book, like so much awful stuff happened with abuse. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, wait, this was the the worst thing that happened. Like a little boy and his mom playing dress up. But that's yeah. it. it it embodied everything so awful and shameful to to Dominic. One, the idea that he was like excluded, that they were doing this thing. Yes. And he yeah. didn't want to do it, but also was excluded. That he was the guard dog, that, you know, he was supposed to protect Thomas and, and his mother from Ray. That he failed at that, that he was unable to protect them also trashed and the house like trashed just, the house yeah. but, in that a he, was, he was rage. just a little boy though i mean he yeah, he, yeah. he should never yeah, have been no, in a but, position where he had to protect them no i i know yeah. absolutely but i i think like he he absorbs that yeah. failure as a failure on his part <laughs> and the shame of it and then also then of course raise horrific violence against his mother and and thomas i like like there's so much like internalized shame and anger towards Ray, but also anger and shame towards Thomas for doing that in the first place. I I mean, mm -hmm. I think um, one part that really struck me was that Ray talks later about how he thought he was doing something good, that, you yeah. know, he'd been in two wars. All he had seen is that the world is a really tough place. And um, all I can do for these two young boys is toughen them up as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I still think that as a society, we take away little boys' sweetness really, really quickly. Yeah. That yeah. Um, we try to make them be big and tough and big, strong men, um, like really from the time they're five or six years old. And um, and that makes me really, really sad. I, That's I think, like, yeah. and also like, I, it, it's, it is sad that like we, we take a lot of boys' sweetness away and then, 
you know, and not empower, but like encourage when that toxic masculinity is in play with like boys will be boys and like yes. that sort of language that also doesn't allow for sweetness or softness or tenderness. Yeah, well, and it also, I mean, I, I know we're skipping ahead to this scene, but like when Dominic trashes the kitchen, like destroys it and Ray doesn't flinch at that. He's yeah. not upset about that mm-hmm. at all because it is a sort of like boys will be it's boys a masculine, acting yeah, out, yeah, a rebellion. masculine yeah. way of acting out and was so fixated on what was happening upstairs, um, like a sweet tea party. A thing that I found very compelling is having a villain that is multifaceted in the sense that he seems like a person that could exist. Because when you're reading a book, it's very easy. No one reads Harry Potter and is like, oh, I see myself in Voldemort. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, like no one went, like, like no one is, is, you know. Speak for in, yourself, Dana. But you know what I mean? Like no one reads like books like that where it's like, it's very easy to dismiss a villain as all bad. And then you just don't have to reckon with it at all. You can mm-hmm. just lift your hands and be like, well, I'm not that. But a character mm-hmm. like Ray, who is, abusive but in a way that the system encourages like i hope that maybe men who read this are forced to like reckon with some of the things they've done wrong because it's like you can't dismiss ray as just a one-dimensional villain like yeah he's also a man who you know plants flowers on a grave and like tries to and tried tried to be a good father to these boys but failed in horrific ways so like i like a villain that you can't just dismiss out of hand. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm not like that. So I don't need to absorb these messages or this lecture. Like, I think that's so much more effective to me. Like his gray areas make, make it easier to, to um, reckon with his, his message. You mean his Ray areas? (laughs) No, but I think that it's interesting that Ray is very gray, even before we find out his Mm -hmm. like sort of tragic backstory. And it's not like you use that to make him suddenly okay. It's that he, when he opens up, you find this out about him. But prior to that, he had already sort of started to reckon with the fact that maybe some of the things that he thought were black and white were much more gray. And the fact of the matter is like, he is Dominic's father and by the end of the book he's not correcting people it's like yeah he sucked and some fathers are abusive and some fathers are awful but like yeah the man who is your father from the time you are an infant child or like two years old to Mm -hmm. your entire life like sorry that's your dad yeah well it is so I mean again I know we're jumping all over the place but the shave the intimacy of the shaving okay we should talk about what happened to Ray just, okay. Yeah, just, that's yeah. a good. Yeah. yeah. Gen- just... Jennifer, give us a little give us a little Ray background. Okay. So, um at Thomas's funeral, um oh, there's Oh, we oh, got we got a Oh, Thomas died. Oh my god, we should yeah, have a PR Thomas died. Yeah. Uh sorry, we kind of the forgot sex- to talk oh. about that. Okay, really I quick. think we've mentioned Thomas dying earlier. Also, we also skipped over the 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 rape. Oh, also Thomas was being raped in jail. Yeah, no, not yes. jail. The mental institution. He and was it being was, was the mental institution. It was, jail. it was Ralph okay. who Ralph who, in spite of everything that Dominic did to him, Ralph makes the call and says, "Get your brother tested for HIV." We find out that there is an HIV epidemic at this hospital because the mean guard who wasn't lighting Thomas's cigarette because he has an awful power trip was mm-hmm. uh, sexually abusing the inmates. Uh, Thomas uh, get uses that and uses the the bruises that he had had the night that that he dropped uh, 
Thomas off. Sorry, Dominic used that. Uh, He gets Dominic out, even though Thomas out. Sorry, even though um, unfortunately Thomas is HIV negative. But the very night that he gets him out, he puts him in a halfway home. The halfway home loses him at two in the morning. And uh, Thomas went to the falls and uh, committed what looks like suicide. Yeah. I will okay. say that when Ralph is like, hey, you need to get your brother tested for HIV. I was like, yeah, bingo. Here we go. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really important to note that even though at this point, Dominic is in therapy, he's starting to learn how to grapple with his immense anger and hatred and sort of toxicity. Uh, he gets this memo from Ralph Drinkwater in his car, right. like in a very secret agent way. Yeah. And then decides that the best course of action with this memo that proves that there is an epidemic of HIV, a disease at this point, it's 1990 or 1991, Mm -hmm. where they have very little understanding. It is basically a death sentence in a way that it's Mm -hmm. not in the same way now. He decides, oh, I'm going to use this to get my brother out, not to expose the facility for the terrors that are happening there. Like if the if Dwayne Taylor, who's the the cowboy who wouldn't light the cigarette and is raping the inmates, uh, if he had not been garroted mm-hmm. in a bathroom, then they probably yeah. wouldn't have stopped him. Kind right. of, it just would have been Thomas gets out and it gets swept under the rug. It kind of felt similar to the way that they catch uh, the the child pornography of Ralph, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you didn't do that. That was a you didn't solve anything. Yeah. You weren't like hey, it's kind of weird that this orphan child is living with this creepy adult. I'm going to call someone. It's just sort right. of like, oh, that's really lucky that someone else yeah. caught this. Um, yeah, I like to think that Ralph killed that guard. Ooh, but, yeah. I so. yeah, I mean, that's he he just, there's he nothing well. to indicate that. But he I deserves it. Hmm? Actually, Ralph does work nights, which we know from the fact that uh, when Dominic brought Thomas in, he was there and he mopped up the urine. And Dwayne, the cowboy, is not supposed to be there at night. So I feel like there is some evidence. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think Ralph, as a survivor of abuse, maybe really did not like seeing it happen to anybody else and just... Took that problem into his own hands. And to his own cousin, who he knew was his cousin. And also he and Thomas had a sweet Mm -hmm. relationship. I don't think uh, it wasn't about Dominic ever. Like, I think it was in spite of Dominic. He was just he was just protecting Thomas. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah. And then Lisa Schaefer, I think it's important to note that she was like, you're arrogant, Dominic. Be careful. Like this is and he's like, what do you mean I'm arrogant? So he's still like and then he slightly his arrogance of like that Thomas will be fine. They have that weird uh, experience at McDonald's and, you know, with Leo and Thomas, it's kind of their last day together. Um, And it is something that is really tragic that um, Dominic sort of overestimated his ability to um, help his brother or control his brother. But, but I do think sort of the one gift that Wally in there in writing the story gives to Dominic is that he did put him in the halfway home. So like the responsibility isn't entirely on Thomas doesn't have to feel like it's yes. his fault that way. Like he did make that mm-hmm. where like, yeah, you they they would have they should have been more capable 
And it wasn't like Dominic was directly responsible in that way, which I do yeah. feel like is a I think it I think it's more sense. that it, it Dominic is still on his journey and he doesn't kind of see that he is emotionally. I don't think I, anyone would fault Dominic for what happened to Thomas, but it is just a part a part of the soup of it all, the tragedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The real culprit is budget cuts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just was going to bring up like what Melissa was saying about um, Sheffer mentioning his arrogance. It's like something that is like a running thread throughout this book is that like even Dominico has these mm-hmm. illusions of grandeur and Dr. Patel makes Dominic yeah. reckon with that too. And it's like tied to the fact that both Dominic and Dominico feel like victims mm-hmm. of their circumstance and that everyone is against them and that they 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 need to be owed these apologies mm-hmm. and that they have been that they were born these men that should have been entitled yeah. to more and didn't get that and so these delusions of grandeur are like he's finally dominic is finally starting to chip away at the fact that like he can't solve everything and not everything not everyone is out to put him in a place where he has to solve everything and it's it's an interesting contrast to like Thomas, who is obviously schizophrenic. His delusions of grandeur are the ones that I think people would mm-hmm. recognize as delusions of grandeur, which is like the CIA is hunting me or whatever his delusions were. Where Dominic's is more narcissistic yeah. in the sense that yeah. like I failed here and I'm controlling it. Like even where it yep. looks self-effacing, it's like no, you you don't have well, that much so power. There's so much, so mm-hmm. many references to martyrs in the book. I mean, you know, one that mm. really stood out to me was in Prospering Story, Violetta, who she, she was modeling this biblical martyr um, who went blind, I believe. And I think, you know, it is really interesting that like, there are these sort of martyr complexes that people have, like they're fi- actual martyrs. Mm-hmm. And like Thomas did a like really intense martyr thing of cutting off his hand. But I feel like Dominic and Domenico both have these martyr complexes, which is very different because mm-hmm. it's not actual. You know, it's it's really reckoning with that and releasing that. You're listening to Popcorn Book Club from iHeartRadio, and we'll be back right after the break. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. 
We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Okay, we're back with Popcorn Book Club. So I feel like with that, not fully covered, but as much as we can in this limited time. Jennifer, will you go back to Ray's story? So, sorry. I just found it really tragic that Thomas's last meal on earth was a happy meal. And like oh, he was yeah. insistent that he get a happy meal. And it reminded me of when he had asked for the water from the river so that he could cleanse his brain because he said that he was unclean and that he thought that using the water from the river is like a holy water would be able to cleanse his brain. And it felt like the Happy Meal was his last sort of ditch effort to try and be happy. And I yeah. cried like a little bit okay. when I read that. Okay, one more tiny thing about Thomas. I'm so sorry. Um, the fact that um, at the beginning of the book when he... when. Dominic was like, don't reattach the hand because Thomas doesn't want that. He wants that autonomy and authority. I like, I don't like it, but it's a, I guess, a slight positive. There's no way to phrase this. A thing to notice about the journey is the way he goes out is at least on his terms. It's not a disease that someone abused him and gave him. He has been suffering and, and does this traumatic thing to himself and hurts him but like as Dominic commented with the hand like that was at least he had so many choices taken away from him at least he had like a tiny bit of agency in that so even you know yeah I I, in the choice right like in a novel that the author gets to choose how a character anything that happens to them and it's like yeah if he wants Thomas to die he could have had him die of AIDS and that whatever but I I like that it mirrors that sense of of tragedy, but but giving him a sense of autonomy at the end. And I, I think autonomy is something that the book's been dealing with since the very first page, that this begins with the librarian from the library where Thomas cut off his hand coming to Dominic and saying, hey, was this my fault? Yes. I, just, I just need to know that yeah. this wasn't my fault. <laughs> and um, obviously that that seems crazy. No, the librarian was just doing her job. It had Delusions of grandeur. Exactly, yes. But everybody <laughs> seems to feel that way throughout the book, that they are um, responsible for things that they may or may not have been responsible for. And Dominic certainly feels that way with regard to Thomas. And I think that segues nicely into what happens Mm -hmm. at Thomas's funeral. Um, So Thomas has um, a funeral that a lot of people show up for, which is really nice that, um, that Dessa's family shows up for it as Mm. well. Um, it's a well-attended funeral. Even Ralph, Ralph stayed in his car, but he was Ralph there. Ralph stayed, but Ralph was there. Yep. And then afterwards at the memorial at their house, um, 
Dominic gets very, very angry at Ray and talks about how they bullied Thomas into this, that they were both responsible, that um, that this is a victory day for them because they get to be big, tough guys and they were bullying Thomas every chance they could. And Ray um, Ray has this moment where he, he becomes very defensive and he says that the day that he adopted them, the judge said that he was a good man, that like that he was taking on two little boys and that made him a good man. And it seemed like Ray had really clung to that. But, um, but yeah, so... Um, Dominic goes into a little bit of a depressive spell afterwards and Dr. Patel does a little bit of tough love and says that she's not going to meet with him until he does some of the things on his list, which include like thanking people for coming to the funeral and writing thank you notes and reapplying for his teacher's license and going back to doing that. And perhaps um, most difficult trying to extend some forgiveness to Ray and trying to make amends there. And throughout or, all this, or at least been, just like reestablish contact. Yeah, just reestablish a contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And throughout that, he's been getting a lot of phone calls from Ray. And he finally uh, gets this call from Ray's doctor saying, hey, the surgery went well. We had to like amputate right below the knee, but uh, he's recovering. And Dominic had no idea what was happening. It turns out that Ray's diabetes um, has caused him has caused one of his limbs to turn gangrenous. And I don't even think, did Dominic, sorry to interrupt, did Dominic even know that Ray was diabetic? Um, He didn't know that he was diabetic, yeah. And he also knew that Ray had, like, offhandedly said, like, my legs been giving me some trouble. Yeah, he had said to him some numbness. Yeah, he talked about how it was at the funeral, I think, too. Yeah, Um, but it turned out that Ray ignored that for far too long, wanted to be a tough guy. That's what the doctor said. And as a result, the limb got starved and they had to amputate. So he goes and sees Ray at the hospital. Real quick, uh, toxic masculinity, liter- you literally lose limbs. It's literally literally toxic. toxic to your limbs. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. If you starve anything long yes. enough, it dies. Uh, Ray kept starving his limb. It died. Now, just like Thomas, he has lost a limb. And for the first time, he's in this really, really vulnerable state where he has to rely on other people. And um, he can't kind of bluster and tough guy his way out of this situation. And it's the first time that he really starts talking to Dominic and talking about how he had a really sad childhood as well, that his parents died, um, that the person that he thought was his sister was actually his mother. Um, He was left only with his alcoholic sister uh, for a long time and he got out of there and joined the Navy and that was his way out. And uh, he just, he had a very unhappy life. And I thought it was really sweet that um, they start having little outings together. Like they go out and they get burgers. And for their third outing, Ray says that he wants to go to a movie, which Dominic (laughs) thinks is weird because he thought movies were a huge waste of money and he didn't like them when they were little. But he wants to go to a movie and Dominic assumes that uh, I'm going to have to sit through Dances with Wolves again or like Die Hard 2. That's such a stepdad (laughs) movie. I yeah, yeah. And uh Ray says, I want to go see the little mermaid. So and Dominic says, That's 
that's a movie for babies. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, don't you think I know what that is? Like, don't you think I know? I know what that movie is. I've seen the posters for a long time. I'm curious. And he said, why'd you ask me? What do you want to see? If you don't want to go see The Little Mermaid, then we'll see whatever you want to see. But you asked me. Yeah. So they go and they see The Little Mermaid. And Dominic understands that it's also about this person who doesn't have legs. And that's why Ray wanted to see it. And it's really sweet. And I, I think... Um, for the first time, he kind of understands that there are layers to Ray that, uh, you know, Ray, Ray had his own terrible mm-hmm. baggage. Um, and, and, you know, that doesn't make up mm-hmm. for what was done to them as children. But it sort of means that he can see this person as a man who failed, um, but failed for reasons that maybe a lot of men have experienced and then Ray goes to a nursing home and he makes three friends and um and they like make sexist jokes together and talk about the war and that's fine um they're old men in wheelchairs and uh, it seems like he's doing pretty well there there's and also another lady at the at the there's the an interesting lady at the hall of the nursing home which maybe you would like to talk about yes there's a woman in the nursing home hall who always gives him an evil eye and he's like, why is this woman always looking at me like she knows me? This woman doesn't know me. And then one day he shows up and that old woman is gone. And they're like, that old woman? You mean Prospatine? And he's like, what? I just read that story. Could she be? What? Could it be? And he runs to the hospital and he takes two rabbits that are in the children's wing for the visiting wing. And he's like, oh my God, this woman has been in settle. She's over 100 years old. Like, there's a, a bit of mystery because her last name is different. But of course, like, yeah, that could be anything. And so you believe what you want to believe. And personally, I do want to believe. Mm-hmm. I think it makes perfect sense that this woman has been in settle for 100, 100 years or whatever, <laughs> and then was moved to a nursing home. Uh, and he's like, oh, my God, it's the same woman. It's it's Prospatine. It's the monkey from the story. He grabs the rabbits because he's like, I have an idea that I'll reenact the miracle from her childhood. in a reason that doesn't make sense to me. And he runs up to her room and he's like, one rabbit. And he's like, two rabbits. Forgive me. I really, I, when that happened, I was like, leave this poor woman and her alone. She has, she has pneumonia. She has pneumonia. She's, she's over a hundred years old. She's about to die. She has nobody showing up for her. And this person who looks like Dominico is like pulling rabbits out his ass in <laughs> front of her. Any level this lady wanted to see maybe her abuser do a magic yes. trick? What is doing this? That should not be the last face that this poor woman no. sees on earth. <laughs> It's like, to me, Dominic is still so fucking selfish. Like, just going up to this woman. And, man, why is no one stopping? Oh, it is important to notice that Hurricane Bob. Bob, Ben. Bob. Bob. Hurricane Bob Bob is happening, which is, like, maybe the only cover that allows Dominic to run through the hospital wing with rabbits. And steal the rabbits that the dying children have for company. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I need See, these. I'll bring him back. If Dominic had grown a little bit more, what he would have done is run up there and like punched himself in the face or something. Like just made it be like, look, yes. I am I am a bad person. Or l- let Prospering like burn burn Dominic with an with the ash from his pipe, her pipe or something. 
He could have just said, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Or, I'm yeah. so instead sorry. Of, yes. Well, you're right. That instead of worked. forgive me, was it's like, it's just yeah. saying, yes. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah, well, it puts the onus on Prospering. on Prospering. Also, I will say that he didn't bring one rabbit up and then two rabbits. He brought two rabbits up and then one <laughs> rabbit in a reversal yeah. of what happened. <laughs> And I'm just like, what is this supposed to do? <laughs> if like, Wally is this, was is truly... this deep and I just don't get it? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad nobody else got it. No, no. I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. If Wally Lamb was truly sick, he'd be like, <laughs> Dominic was like, two rabbits, one flatline. And <laughs> 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 like that was truly her last image. <laughs> but I, I do think going back to like forgive me is so much more selfish than yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Because if if you're going to bother this old woman as she's dying of pneumonia, a lot of times needing um forgiveness from people is very selfish because you want to be absolved of your own guilt and it's not necessarily the right thing to do for that person. And like that's it's, forgiving someone is a very nice thing that you do for them. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. And so, like, just demanding this thing from this woman who's been tortured her entire life, <laughs> wrongfully imprisoned. Yeah. Well, uh, at least he not, brought rabbits. Not a good, so. not a good I, move, Dominic. But it's, yeah. he's rewarded for it because it breaks the curse and then I everything gotta say, in his life just real out. quick about the Prospering cameo, it did make me so happy that she outlived yeah. Dom- Domenico. Um And I feel like in some way she must have known that. But it it also makes me think because because it was that was in the 20s this is the 90s. So she's probably like 100. I feel like if she hadn't Mm -hmm. been in settle her whole life, she would have lived to like 140. Like she she was just like the (laughs) toughest person in the world. She was a tough pipe smoking broad. So it really does something. Um, (laughs) Back to Ray. I think the important thing for Ray is that when. When Dominic is able to maybe not forgive him, but at least accept him as his father and accept all of his flaws and vulnerabilities and be like, look, like I, I don't ne- can't necessarily forgive you for the things you did, but like I still see you. Um, that's when he gets the gift that he's wanted his entire life, which is the identity of his quote unquote real father, biological father, uh, which they, he finds out is a man named Henry Drinkwater who is the brother of Ralph Drinkwater's father, the son of a Drinkwater that worked at the factory. And we find out that he was mixed. He was part Black and part Native American. And that's A, why that uh, Connie couldn't tell anyone, because that would have caused her father probably to kick her out of the house and disown her because he was a racist. 1940, and he's a racist. But also when he is talking, he finds out by going to Ralph and Ralph tells him that Thomas yeah. knew that she had told Thomas. Mm-hmm. And then um, Dr. Patel helps him see that maybe the mother had had protected him because like, yeah, as we know from everything, like Dominic one has massive anger issues, but also was pretty racist yeah. a lot. Yeah. And like she was maybe protecting him from like how he would react. And she wasn't sure how he would react because he, he looks a lot like their grandfather and her grandfather was yeah. mad and racist. There is this, now that we're talking about it too, it is something that Ray also seemingly does to protect him because in that huge fight that happens after the funeral, when he, when Ray is saying that he's a good man, he's a good man, someone with less control could have popped off and Ray could have been like, 
you know who your real father is. That's why I'm a good man. And like, this is why like, you shouldn't be yelling at me. Like he chose not to tell Dominic until Dominic was at a place where that until Dominic was also at a place where he could like, I also handle this found mix. it interesting yeah. that mm-hmm. scene because at first the first time uh, Dominic asks Ray says he doesn't know and then he comes back after sharing his story it's to me there was something sweet about it being a truly empathetic moment that Ray had of like this mm-hmm. happened to me I didn't know who my parents were it's not absolving him of anything, but I did think there was something, a growth there that I, Karama does not agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think he also said that it's different now. There's oh, money on right. the line. right. I forgot <laughs> about that. He was, he was part uh, Laquanic and they were about to open that right. big I think I really blocked casino. that out of my head because I wanted it to be yeah, nice. I think I blocked that out. <laughs> you it's sweeter. Yeah. It's sweeter for him to be nice. Although I will say it's, it as as far as Ray goes, we'll say it's a good gesture on Ray's part, but Ray is limited. Ray is indeed limited. I think that with the money on the line, he was like, I want to, since you're my kid, make sure that you're taken care of, mm-hmm. especially because we've had all this trauma recently mm-hmm. and you're sort of between <laughs> gigs and I want to make sure that you're okay. And I have this information that I've been holding on to because I loved your mother so much and she asked me not to tell anyone. But I love you, and I think it's important for you to know so that you can be okay. Yeah, wanting your kids to be financially secure is a very paternal emotion. Like, it's on the level of, like, you got to get your car tires checked because (laughs) otherwise it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, and we're just, like, spilling family secrets right now. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure everybody remembered that he was like, take the money from the Native Americans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to go on the record and say, so... Uh, when Dominic, he runs, he talks to Ralph and he sees that Ralph now um, has this a, a, ma- a major role in the Conic Nation and and uh, it has a position of power and has a really nice office and a new building. And he's like, wow, you know, Ralph really made it. I'm like, however nice Ralph's office is now, he deserves an office three times as mm-hmm. nice for everything he put up with. And the fact that as a member of uh, the Waquanic tribe now, uh, Dominic is entitled to like an equal share of the money. I'm like, I think as we were talking about before, he does not deserve that. He doesn't. I don't think the story needs it for closure no. or for him to be rewarded in any way. Like his reward could just be like growth. He, it could be he gets growth. this emotional closure. Yeah, and that and he works as a as a as a middle as a teacher teaching history better than the history that he had been taught, which I like. I like that yeah, parallel. That's lovely. Yeah, he gets back together with Dessa. Yeah, that could maybe if if you need that. When I found out that when we all find find out that he is drink a drink water, but he had been his entire life raised to believe that he is fully Mm -hmm. a white man and like is white passing and has all this white privilege. At that point, I was like, Wally, man, this feels like some settler colonial fan fiction mm. where someone yes! <laughs> gets to find out that they like, cause everyone always, there are so many there, you know, that, tr- that, that trope, a stereotype of white folks being like, but I'm part native American, yes. but I'm part yes. indigenous. Yes. And for this to actually work out in his favor in such a way where he gets to be like, oh, I'm part native American and I get to be wealthy. It felt so it was not, it wasn't satisfying. It yeah. felt so cheap. Yes. It did. I do want to talk about blood quantum 
and uh, and Native American like nations. Wait, Does everybody what, know what blood? What quantum is, is? What is blood quantum? I love that okay, phrase. Yeah. Yeah. It's something. It's also the title of a movie, but that's not what I mean. Um, <laughs> so blood quantum is the way that many Indian nations, and that is one of the terms that uh, that people use for it. So I'm not. I think that's the right term, and please forgive me if it's not. But it's one of the ways that many Indian nations determine who gets to be a citizen mm. because they are their own sovereign nations. Yeah. So like for the Navajo Nation, if you have 25% Navajo blood, then at least, then you can be a member of the Navajo Nation. Mm. But it does bring up issues of like, how do you measure that? And for some people, they are mixed with very different tribes, but then they can't belong to any one tribe because they don't have enough of a high percentage of blood of any one tribe to become a citizen. And each tribe gets to decide on their own how they do that. And I think that I was reading something about blood quantum because it's something that I had been thinking about before. Like it's something I've been thinking about for years. The first time I learned about it, I was like, wait, what? This feels messy and bad and wrong. Mm. And um, they somebody called it a colonial catch 22. Mm. Because the thing is, it's like what Tian just said, there are all these white people like uh, some who have run for president who say, I'm part Native American. And then Whoa. they try and claim that. And to have somebody come in a situation like this in the book and try and claim that, you have to have some sort of barrier to say, no, you don't get to just say you had a story. And that story entitles you mm -hmm. to the rights that we have fought really hard for mm -hmm. in courts of law and lost people for. So I think that that's important. But at the same time, like... How do you keep, you, you don't want to say you only have to breed with us yeah. so that you can stay a member of this community. But at a certain point, because of blood quantum, if you, if you have a child with anybody outside of your community, then you end up losing this mm. connection to the community. And I think that it sets up this really interesting thing that they never talk about what the blood quantum for the Waquanics is. And they are, I believe, a made up tribe in this book. I looked up, I looked them up and only could find things about I know this much is true. Yeah. And I think that they're supposed to be sort of a stand-in for the Mohegan Nation, mm. uh, which does have a huge casino. Mohegan Sun casino yeah. in Connecticut. Um, and I couldn't find anything on their website about what the blood quantum requirements were for them. You had to, like, write in to them with a letter in the U.S. Postal Service to get more information I mean, about joining. We can assume wow. that that Dominic, I mean, is 25%. But uh, it, like you said, like blood quantum is such a messy, nebulous, like colonialist catch-22 where that 25% had no impact yeah. on his life, on his culture, right. on mm -hmm. the way he was raised, on the way he was treated by others, perceived. So he could have been 50%. It doesn't mm. matter. Whatever percentage it is, it, it doesn't matter because it didn't inform his life. Like I said at the beginning, like he not only like weaponized his white male privilege with like law enforcement and the police a lot and a position of authority. He specifically weaponized it against yeah. the drink waters well, on multiple and I occasions. Think what, what really bummed mm. me out was I I had like a glimmer of hope when he was in that scene with Ralph and says like I'm a drink water, we're cousins, the whole thing. He was like, I when, you know, there are a lot of people now that there's money saying that they're, you know, of this tribe and he's like I don't care about the money I just care about where I came from I'm like oh good oh good he's not gonna take yeah. blame yeah. 
And they take and the fucking takes money. money. And he takes the money. <laughs> I will say, I like, I want to say in fairness, I like that he doesn't yes. just take the money in peace. He tries to become an active and yeah, involved member teacher. of this community. He teaches at the Aquanic School. He I educates do want to back himself. up real quick and uh, just uh-huh. say, I'm so glad the one thing about this storyline is that Constantina was not raped by her father. And I think there's something I found really when Dominic is reading this story and his questioning about his parentage, it's always like either she was raped or it was a mercy mercy fuck. Like those are the only two options for Mm -hmm. his hair-lipped mother. He really thought, but it sounds like he, he she had love in that, like that the, the, those children yeah. were born yes. out of love and yeah. the father died tragically in the war. But I thought that was like really nice that she had that, that yeah. those babies were born out of love. Yeah. When his aunt was like, yeah, she met him at the shop and she saw him and they yeah. they loved each other like yeah. And they were friends for oh, years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think also one of the reasons he ends up forgiving Ray yeah. is because Ray talks about meeting his mother and his mother is saying, oh, my lip's so ugly. And Ray saying, your mouth is just as kissable that as anybody else. That was probably the most redeeming Ray That's the most redeeming Ray moment. And yeah. the Little Mermaid, probably, yeah. And the Little I Mermaid. I will say, <laughs> a redeemable Domenico moment. There are a few, but this is one of them. Uh, you find out, when you find out that... Um, that Henry Drinkwater is Dominic's dad, that uh, that Domenico had given yeah. money to the Drinkwaters after right. um, Nabby Drinkwater died mm. under his employ. And he didn't do it, like, he, he wasn't required yeah. to or anything. He just did it because they still had young kids. And he was like, uh... And he's like, oh, that stupid feel, business didn't care for them. I, that, yeah. yeah. What business yeah. is I feel do. like I'm just going to send them a little bit of money because... That's the right thing to do. And that was the one redeeming thing. I know. And he's also a man who is so proud of not giving yeah. away money at yeah. any point. That, this, that For him, that must have been sure. a big deal. But like I, I, I said earlier, I think that when bad characters or flawed characters do have redeeming moments, it then makes it a more powerful book because then it forces you to really reckon with and accept who they are, yeah, their flaws. But they are and, complicated. And, well, yeah. And I think it's also yeah. a really interesting book to be reading right at this moment in history because I think there are um, a lot of articles that exist, um, some of which I have probably written, that are like, well, if you have a bad family member, cut them off. You're an orphan now. They voted for Trump. Never talk to them again. There you go. That's your solution. And this was a book that was really about like, the beauty of forgiveness and trying to find these small redeeming moments in people. And, mm. um, and, and to be clear, really not idea. to forgive and accept that they're bad people who vote for yeah. Trump, but to, to help yeah. them grow. To help them grow. That the, the people are capable of growth and capable of becoming better. And that's something I really want to believe. You're listening to Popcorn Book Club from iHeartRadio. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. 
It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast... Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. All right, so let's get back into it. We got, I feel like, two more big stories joy and death yes. yeah right um, the, okay i was just yep. gonna say the the two main things and now the wrap-up of the women in dominic's life i would say for all the nuanced women that we saw in the story about violetta and prospatine like these now are women who i kind of thought happened their 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 endings wrapped up very quickly and very much yes. to serve dominic yes. in an yeah. uh, it, well it was like how i met your mother yes. where it's like this is this woman exists for this purpose, yeah. and this woman exists for this purpose, and now we will make sure you yeah. get all the happy that you wanted through these two yeah. women. Melissa, you want to take take what happened oh, to boy. Joy, if you wouldn't mind? Poor Joy. Um, yes. So Joy <laughs> gets in touch with Dominic, like wants to see him. She says she's in town. She sends a picture of the baby and is like, I'd really like if you'd like to visit the baby sometime. I'd really like that. Things didn't turn out so great. Uh, would love to see you. Hint, hint. Um, he, she, he avoids it at first. And then he finally agrees to see Joy. And Joy comes over and she has the baby. And she's like lugging the baby out. And she and she's wearing a lot of makeup. And uh, Dominic thinks she looks pretty pretty bad. Like, there's something going on. She looks tired. Like, you know, she's hiding something. And she, they make sandwiches. And she keeps saying, you want to hold the baby? You want to hold the baby? And he's like, no. Obviously, there's some trauma related to Dominic uh, in relation to babies. Um, But she keeps on, she's acting a little weird. Um, She doesn't eat her sandwich. He keeps on wanting her to leave. And she's like, please look at this beautiful baby. And then finally she's like, hold the baby. <laughs> and like, and, actually, and then she leaves. And he's like, oh, she forgot her binky. And then, oh, there's a blanket. And underneath the blanket is a letter. And it's this letter that explains that 
fucking the worst, maybe the worst character in the book. Oh, the Duchess. Yeah, I would say yeah. it's between it's between Thad and um yeah. and Twain. And, and also and also and also and I didn't um, mean Del. to call him the I didn't mean to call him oh, the Duchess because yeah, yeah. that's a very bad homophobic name. I just forgot that his name was Thad. Um <laughs> But also that that's how that's yes, how our narrator Dominic refers to him. Uh, You're so Thad mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't think that that was a Melissa uh, Hunter original. Um, <laughs> but that was um, uh, HIV positive and got um, and passed it along to Joy. And then he ran off with with another man, I believe, to Mexico because he now was uh, had mm-hmm. AIDS and and took all their money and just money. bounced. Uh, to Mexico for treatment. He went looking for a cure. Treatment. Yeah. Yeah. And so then she now has no money and she's back in Three Rivers and is HIV positive, which in the early 90s is very, very bad. Um, Much much worse than it is today. And she asks if he would ever consider taking Tiffany, the baby, if she passes away. And he uh, is like, I couldn't do that at first and so he needs to get tested and so he's really freaking out about it and goes to get tested and uh is really distracted during that time and then he finds out he is not hiv positive the baby is also not hiv positive yes, yes. that's that's oh, thank god a thing and that you have to mm-hmm. test tiffany is tiffany is spelled in a, in a quirky very way. in a very white lady way, way. <laughs> a word for it in, in the 23 yes, year old like really cutesy <laughs> Tiffany Rose. And poor Joy is just such a tragic character in this story. Like, just never gets a shot. And she is, like, so apologetic and thinks that her whole, you know, it was a blight on Dominic to have her in the house, which is also very sad because Dominic was so cruel to Joy um, throughout the book. And then... uh, It it breaks my heart that Joy's best plan for her child is... I could give him to this man I had a shitty yeah. relationship with. This man yeah. who was not very nice to me. Nice, he wasn't nice to me, but no, he is the best terrible. thing I've got. But yeah. yeah, we get these these hints of like that. Joy, you know, went to live with her mom briefly, and her mom had a, a horrible yeah. husband or boyfriend. And then obviously Thad, like the one man in her life who's been grooming her since she was like ten or twelve, then abandons her and takes her money. Like she has been abandoned. There is no one in her life. Yeah. She is. That is the real. Yeah. That is a tragedy of this of this book. And it's Wally. You're sick for naming her Joy. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, Karama, you cool. want to you want to take away uh, the the way it dovetails with Dessa? Yes, absolutely. Sure. So, um, so Dessa's mom actually. I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. Dessa's mom had a dizzy spell the day of Thomas's funeral. So Dessa was late and missed the graveside part and just was able to come to the reception afterward. And that's sort of when they start to reconnect and um, they run into each other at the hospital mm-hmm. when Dominic is visiting Ray post-amputation and Dessa is there. He initially thinks to visit her mom because something might have happened again to her mom, but she started to volunteer with children at the hospital, like particularly terminal children who play with rabbits and some other animals. And she holds the kids and like holds babies who have tested positive for HIV, which they very insensitively call AIDS babies throughout the book. Um, I, I will say and- not, I mean, not to dismiss it because that is very insensitive. I I am pretty sure that that was like the media 
Oh, that was what yeah, they called them, they but I'm just like yeah. reminding just... people that that was yucky yeah. that we did in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Dessa and Dominic sort of strike up this friendship again, which is very sweet, and it would have been great if that was all that had <laughs> happened. But there's more! So um, Dessa, he finds out through Leo that Dessa and Dan, her Potter boyfriend, are breaking up, and Dan is going to move back to New Mexico, and it's amicable, and nothing's wrong. So this seems like the one positive male relationship that Dessa's ever had in her life. And uh, then sometimes Dominic potters, actually... Sometimes potters move back yeah, to New Mexico. Yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> when, you, when you love a potter, you know. That's you the risk. let them go to they're, New Mexico. That's the one true love, comes. New Mexico. Yes. Uh, that's where they make potters. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Back to you. No, it's fine. So, um, she, so he finds out through Leo and actually has a very mature response I don't think Dessa and I are going to get back together. We're not just going to start dating again. You can't just pick up where you left off. And I was like, okay. Okay, Dominic. Okay, Wally. Growth. Maturity. Responsibility. But there's more. So um, after everything that happens with Thomas, after everything that happens with Ray getting sick and then later having his stroke, uh, he and Dessa do start to date again. And I think they start off by just going to a women's they go basketball, to a women's basketball game. game. It is very yeah. funny. Yes. And even even Dominic is like, I started off with some misogynistic And then I knew all the players. And, I got into it. <laughs> and now yeah. I love it. Now I know all the players. And yeah. Now I'm yeah. a feminist. Women's basketball made me a feminist. <laughs> and so he replaces Angie as uh, Dessa's date to go to this women's basketball game and then they start seeing each and other they start, again. And, and Dessa starts bringing Tiffany Rose to women's yes. basketball games. Yes, because which Dessa is at and Joy, yes, which, at UConn. Which is, yes. has a history of being a dynasty in the women's mm-hmm. basketball NCAA, so... Nice. Just a little sports tidbit. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tian. I am not a sport person, so I did need that. I'm glad that there is a history of that and that that draws from real life. Yeah. Um... And uh, so Joy had mentioned in her tape to uh, to Dominic way back when she revealed that she was pregnant with Thad's baby, that she um, that she had met Dessa or okay. had seen Dessa one time. And since Joy has now moved back to Three Rivers, and Dominic has committed to assist her how he can, but cannot commit to taking her baby, Tiffany Rose. Uh, they're interacting in each other's lives again, and since he started seeing Dessa. They become friends. And it's really nice that Joy finally does at the end of her life because she does ultimately end up dying of (gasps) HIV complications. Uh, She does end up becoming friends with Dessa and they do agree to adopt Tiffany Rose. So they get the baby that they had wanted all along, even though Dominic had his vasectomy. And Joy doesn't have to be anybody's inconvenience because she's dead from being sexually abused by her uncle. And everyone lived happily ever after except for Joy. <laughs> that I, I will say I, I liked the way that Wally framed reconnecting with Dessa. It at least felt felt respectful and, and natural. You know, people do fall apart and come back together after growth and trauma. And that is a real thing that happens. And mm-hmm. he was yes. very respectful. They, you know, were going on dates and had this, mm-hmm. what I didn't love. Um, well, Joy, that is just so tragic that she just is sort of like cannon fodder to, 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 to Dominic's life. But mm-hmm. um, that it, it did sort of feel like after the curse was broken, I'm putting this in whole terms that 
he just sort of gets his like gold star reward for everything. And it's like, and here's your woman and a here's your baby dollars. and here's a million dollars. <laughs> I mean, yes. you know, I the one happiness, the tragedy of joy is awful. I was happy that Dessa was able to be a mom because she so badly wanted to be like, and I'm glad that mm-hmm. Tiffany has a very nice mom in Dessa. But that's, you know, Dominic didn't, <laughs> he just didn't need, he didn't need the millions of dollars. He really, yeah. No. I oh, yeah. forgot a part also yeah. about the Dessa story where he oh, yeah. does propose to Dessa and she's like, oh, I don't know about that. She's like, let me, <laughs> let me think about it, which I feel like yeah. is a good Dessa answer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. she says, give me a week. Yeah. <laughs> and they still continue to spend time together during this week, but it is minorly awkward. <laughs> and um, they sit together in like a hotel room or something and are going to watch the movie The Bicycle Thief, which is this old black and white Italian movie. And she's like, oh, it's the saddest movie in the world. He's like, really? I don't know. It looks dumb and falls asleep 10 minutes into it. <laughs> he wakes up. She is sobbing. And he's like, what is it? Is it the movie? And she says, all right. And he's like, all right. She's like, all right. I'm not afraid of you anymore. We can get married. And I'm just like, I don't know if I'd want to marry somebody who had to say, I'm not afraid yeah. of you anymore. Yeah, that's not a good enough reason to, exactly to marry a someone. Fairy tale ending. I'm going to say, look, I did like the way they came back, the way they came back together. I didn't love the fact that they did come back together. Yeah. I don't think it's a good lesson for, for, Leo to be like, hey, Dessa's single now. And for Dominic to be like, we can't pick up where we left off and then proceed pick to pick up where they left it off. It would have been so satisfying. <laughs> Look, even if they, it would have been fine, like for him to have grown yeah. and become a teacher in the Chronic Nation and have mm-hmm. a nice relationship with Dessa. Yes. It, I mean, I look uh, the the one thing that redeemed it a little bit in my mind is there's so much talk about um, fable and parable and learning mm. lessons and we have to remember like <laughs> in case we didn't know no but like obviously this is like a fictional book and so mm-hmm. I liked thinking of it in my mind sort of as a mm-hmm. parable and mm-hmm. parables do get happy endings in the way that like maybe the book itself is sort of a meta expression of that where it's like he was able to slay his dragons right. and and reach his reward, mm-hmm. which is a yeah. reductive story, but maybe is reductive in a way that is on purpose to serve a larger narrative. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also an important parallel to Domenico's story, that mm-hmm. Domenico desperately wants to be loved by Ignacia, and he tries to beat it out of her. He tries to lock her and keep her a prisoner in his house, and it doesn't work. It fails. She escapes and kills herself and tries to kill their child. And instead, Dominic um, lets this woman he loves go and works on himself and Mm. tries to become a better person on his own before he returns to her. That's very sweet, actually. At the very least, that is a much healthier way to try to approach that. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that... um, if somebody breaks up with you and you go to therapy, um, then you deserve them back at the end. Um, that's not a prize. But I, I do think it is a, a good yeah. parallel if we look at how Domenico treated love versus how Dominic treats it. Yeah. And then the last important thing that I think we need to talk about before we stop talking about the book, and I do want to talk about the show just a wee bit, um, is that the house that Domenico built... The, the 
um, what did he call it? The Casa di Due Apartamenti. <laughs> the, his duplex, yeah. as we say in English. Um, gets transformed uh, into a women's shelter. He uses, Dominic he is uses like, some of the money for that, which is a smart... Yes, that's a good he use. uses some of the that's money really from nice. the Waquanic Nation to mm-hmm. build a women's shelter uh, on the property that his grandfather bought. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a very fitting way... Because it had been it had been home yeah. to so much abuse to sort of yeah. give back and say, like, I don't want to continue a legacy. I don't want to live in this house mm-hmm. and try and make it my home after it's been such a site of abuse. I want to change it and make it better and give it to people who didn't have what my grandmother had or have and what my mother names had. it after He First Wives Clubbed it. Oh. He first wives oh. clubbed it. <laughs> Jen, 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 off the cuff. (laughs) Off the cuff. It didn't say that earlier at all. (laughs) And names it after his mom. Yes, he does name it after his mom. I like that he specifically leaves out the Tempesta and just puts T. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Connie T. Birdsey. That is yeah. that is such a tempestia. I'm obsessed with names in fiction, like because coming up with names is such a thing. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. his their main tempesta thing is like their tempest, anger, and that yeah. comes back to the tempesta, tempest, tempestuous. Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, so perfectly fitting for for that to be the legacy of Domenico that that Dominic has to try to overcome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know that much is true. And and you know I like I think it is interesting that like Dominic goes through getting back with Dessa, going to women's basketball game, starting this women's shelter, and befriends a lesbian Mm -hmm. couple. Like those are all the things you need to be a man who wants to be a good feminist. (laughs) Just make sure that you check off all of these boxes. Yes, men listening, take men listening. The checklist: women's basketball, basketball, friendship with a lesbian couple, and open a women's shelter. Shelter. You are absolved of all the terrible things you did in the past. One note that I thought was really good about his friendship with the lesbian couple, um, who was uh, Dr. Schaefer and her partner, yeah. Monica? Mm-hmm. I think Monica. Monica. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this great interaction between them where uh, he says, how do you two meet? And Monica says, oh, I, uh-huh. I do some carpentry mm-hmm. work at the women's shelter and I do it for free and I help fix it up. And I'm on, I'm actually on the board there now. And he says, oh, is Dr. Schaefer on the board, too? Nope. And Monica says, nope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. then they never talk and about it And they never it talk about it again. again. Yeah. Which, yeah. Oof. That is, I mean, the real MVPs of this book are Dr. Schaefer and Dr. Yeah. Patel. Who, yeah. Who really are the, are the rocks that, that Dominic <laughs> clings mm-hmm. to as he tries mm-hmm. to become a better person. I will say, not to like, I love that Dr. Patel was able to help Dominic, but I did feel like a twinge of Orientalism with the whole way that Dr. Patel yes. was presented in the book. <laughs> yes. yes. Where it's yes. like, oh, she has all this wise Eastern wisdom about Shiva the Destroyer and how right mm-hmm. life is a river. And I was like, mm, I mean, I think that it's important to bring your own experience to the way that you do therapy with people. And like, if she is a Hindu, then great. I think that it's good for her to use analogies from her own life experience to help, like, illustrate things but it did feel like very othering and it's like ah you have tried very hard to learn in the ways of the italians now learn in the Mm -hmm. ways of the indians yes there there definitely were some moments where character development fell for more of a stereotyped 
side of things. Like even even with Monica, who has <laughs> who has to be, it just made me laugh. I was like, oh my gosh, she's a carpenter, and the and her business is called Women's Work with a Y. With a y? Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's and Dana, you you knew right away. You're like Dr. Schaefer because of course she wears overalls. That is <laughs> that's Wally being like yes. she's a lesbian. Lesbians <laughs> wear overalls. I mean, I will say Anne M. Martin did some very coded stuff with Christy in the Babysitters oh. Club, where I'm 99 sure that Christy is a lesbian. <laughs> she coaches a softball team and she um. never wears dresses. And I'm like. Yeah, you you got that across well, without having to say. And that, like, um, <laughs> like the gay character gave ever gave people AIDS. Yes. It's just like AIDS. it's two different yeah. gay and characters, this, and that are yeah. pedophiles and are pedophiles, sex yeah. offenders. Yeah. I will yeah, say, gay men do not come no. off well. No, no the well. real no. the real lesbian MVP though is Prosperine. Prosperine. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, she is. Yeah, we love Prosperine. Prosperine. Sorry, I don't know why yeah. I keep saying Prosperine. It's okay. It's fine. Forgive me. Forgive me. (laughs) It's going to be a thing where we like, you know, when I first read Harry Potter, I thought it was Hermione. And we're going to find out that Prosperine is like, Prosperine. 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 Actually, I looked up, I've been like trolling the IMDb page and they changed her name for the show. They name her uh, Prosperina with an A at the end. Um, So they like. Feminized One it. more thing from the TV show. I haven't finished, but I did. I clicked on a link that was like, how the ending of the TV show is different from the ending of the movie. Can yes. I spoil? Ooh, how is it different? Okay, don't, yes, please, please don't do. listen if please you want to spoil. But, um, and I like this better because um, I read it and I read an interview with the, the showrunner who was describing why he did this. It ends without him and Dessa getting back together. Yes. It ends just with him joining her volunteering at the yes, children good. in the hospital. So the door yes. is the door is open that, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you can fill in the blanks down the line that that happens. But they, mm-hmm. you know, she is healing and interacting with children and he joins her in the hospital. Yes. Does he still get a million dollars? I don't know. I didn't read that part. It just, they just <laughs> were talking about the relationship with, with Dessa. I imagine he probably also, you know, gets money from the Waconic Nation and maybe also still gets Tiffany. Um, um, he does not. Oh, I, uh, I like that much better in the show. He uh, yeah, does oh, not. Oh, that's great. What happens to Tiffany at the end? Baby. She doesn't exist. Oh, uh, Joy just leaves. So Joy does not die. Not in the TV show. Yeah, I kind of, um, I kind of like. Unless that. I was Amazing. like in the bathroom and there was some sort of um, voiceover of like, "Oh, Joy's dead." No. Well, there's so um, much tragedy no, yeah. and so many characters in this book that, like, yeah, to be a miniseries. You don't need Joy no, coming back with AIDS. That is a plot yeah, twist. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I also, he could just get his vasectomy reversed. Yes. Like, it, it is, is very much yeah. a possibility. It's not like this is the only way they could ever have a child again. No one and how wonderful how that's literally possible. Yeah, they, he, yeah, he talks about how we could get a reversed, I guess. Yes. Get yes. it reversed. There you go. I, um, I think thematically in the book, like there's so much in the book about learning to be a father if it's not your biological child. And I think mm-hmm. adopting is a wonderful thing and that's great. But I I thought it was a little convenient. <laughs> 
It's really yeah. convenient. I mean, I, look, I, I'm sorry. Um, I also think that this is a healthy, well-tended-to baby that has not suffered through any trauma. There will not be a problem getting people to adopt a baby who had gorgeous parents and yeah. is perfectly healthy. Yeah. Like, Well, <laughs> if they ever found out that the parents were indeed oh. blood-related, that oh. might be an issue. Oof, that's a good point. All right, yeah. <laughs> you know what? If they found out. Yeah. It's nice. Like, look, Dessa deserves to be a mom and should be a yes. mom. And if Dessa wants to adopt this baby, good for Dessa. Yeah. That, that's how yeah. I'll frame it in my mind. <laughs> Dessa deserves what was, whatever she wants. What was upsetting to me about the show adaptation is the fact that they did not have the part about Ralph Drinkwater and the police. What? They, they completely yeah. erased that. Oh. And they made it seem like they still had the moment where um, they're in, he's like replacing the light bulb and they're in Hatch and he shows him that Thomas is outside yeah. <laughs> and he says like, oh, getting your clearance shouldn't be a problem because I bet your record's white boy white. And that doesn't hit the same way oh. when you know that Ralph has a record because of Dominic. Wait, yeah. so he just says that to be an asshole for no reason? <laughs> I mean, I think it's they still have the thing with Penny Ann yeah. and him getting Penny Ann suspended right before she's murdered. But then it makes it seem like Ralph is holding on to a grudge from third grade. Uh, yeah. No. Well, I mean, if it resulted in your sister's murder, I think that's an understandable grudge to hold on to. But it's a yes. bigger grudge. <laughs> yes. But there is more that is more yes. recent and that is also more related to the specific yeah. phrase, I bet your record is white boy yeah. white. Yeah. yeah. Do, do they go so, into that Ralph was, do they go into Dell? No, they didn't because they completely erased the work yeah, of the public works. Yeah. yeah. They made it seem like the last time that uh, Dominic had seen Ralph Drinkwater was on graduation day. That's dis- which, yeah, that's disappointing because that is disappointing. All, you also don't need to go into the work to have that because it could just be Leo and Dominic just getting stoned. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. and hanging out you know, and not, yeah. and like excluding Thomas, like it could have been really easy to, to have that piece. In, and just so blaming important. Ralph Drinkwater. Yes. Because he's because. the only person of color they know. Yeah. Right. And I feel like it absolves, I felt like the show absolved Dominic by erasing it from the book, wow. uh, from the book adaptation, um, a lot of his misogyny. So, like, they completely cut out that scene when he's in Dr. Sheffer's office and it is Sheffer, not Schaefer. I was the one who was like, it's Schaefer, guys. And I was wrong. Mm. Um, <laughs> I will admit to being wrong. But they cut out that moment where Dr. Sheffer, or she's not a doctor, but Sheffer yeah, is sorry. like, oh, um, Dr. Patel. And then he's like, oh, let me talk to him. And he's like, wrong, she's a lady. And then it's like, oh, well, Dr. So-and-so. Let me talk to him. It's like wrong. She's also a lady. They got rid of that. Do they? And I think. Do they have the rape of Dessa? No. Because nope. that is a moment. Just like watching the hand be brutalized is much more brutal. I think mm-hmm. seeing your protagonist, Mark Ruffalo, um, unambiguously rape a woman with your eyes, it would make it almost impossible to then root for him for the rest of the miniseries. Where in a book. Yeah. You're like, that's horrible. But there is a slight distance, I think, in reading a book for seeing something on screen. Well, and you also you are in his head the whole time. And so even though it's repulsive, it is from his point of view, which Mm -hmm. is which allows you to not feel. I mean, you feel horrible, obviously, but to see it without 
just seeing a woman being raped is like, yeah, not great for anyone. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to see Mark Ruffalo rape a woman. I well, it wasn't Mark Ruffalo. Also, they have a younger version of him mm-hmm. who I, I still always think that it's witchcraft when they have the same person play twins. Like, I, Parent Trap really fucked me up. Because I thought that Lindsay Lohan was a twin for years. <laughs> did they did they do a um, a social network where they put his face on someone else's face? I don't think so, especially because Mark Ruffalo actually gained thirty pounds to play Thomas. Yeah, I really like that his physical. Just because I only saw the first two episodes, his performance mm-hmm. is really good and different between the two of yeah, them. Yeah, vocally, physically, he. I mean, a plus Ruffalo. And I read something online that it said. This show is hard to watch because it's traumatic, but it's worth tuning in because of Mark Ruffalo's performance. And I would say I agree. And I think that the book is hard to read because it's traumatic. But I think that Wally Lamb does a good job of writing it and making compelling characters that even if you don't like, you still want to know more about. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's a good book. I actually like the book better than the four episodes of the show that I've seen so far. Four out of six. You can get more nuance in the book. Book, I imagine. Exactly. It feels mm-hmm. like a lot of the nuance was washed over in the show. And like, this is very tiny, but I hate that they didn't make Dessa a college student on the show. She was just working at the bar mm-hmm. and they got rid of the fact that she was in college. And mm-hmm. the reason that he was trying to get a car and everything was so that he could go to her college to visit her. And they just had her working at the bar in like their college town or near their college town. And he was like, oh, I was trying to get a car so I could like go and visit Dessa across the river while she was doing this, like, manual labor. And they didn't have the class differential yeah. between them also. Yeah, and that, that power was always dynamic. really interesting. That power that, dynamic, mm-hmm. you're so right, that he, maybe in subtle ways that even he didn't want to acknowledge, felt emasculated by that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and the thing is, like, we had talked in the group chat about how it was supposed to be a movie initially. Oh, how? And you definitely couldn't have all of that in a movie. But I also feel like there was room to possibly have more episodes. I mean, there were only six episodes. A typical HBO season is like eight to ten episodes. I think there's also, it's a miniseries. And Mark Ruffalo's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to get that miniseries Emmy. Oh, he is. That's me me shooting a shot. He's like, playing Mm -hmm. two characters, playing a schizophrenic twin. Give me that miniseries Emmy. So there there might be, there might be like rules of like what constitutes a miniseries as opposed to a TV show. I think, well, because I think they have it as limited series, but American Horror Story is also considered a limited series. Very weird. That's true. I mean, because every season's different. I'm sure it was just a choice, you know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like with limited series, it's, it's just that it's like one story. Right. You know, frankly, I feel like that is much better. I don't want like a Handmaid's Tale style season two where they decide we don't need the book anymore. We're going to make up what happens to Dominic and Dessa going forward. Oh, boy. Or like 13 Reasons Why, which the book is literally just Clay listening to the tapes mm -hmm. and riding his bike around town. And the show is like, what if everyone gets sexually assaulted? And also there are guns. And I'm just like, this show is horrifying. Yeah. Just just one season is good. Just go as far as the book takes you and then yeah. we're done. <laughs> Grandma, I think you well, were really smart in like talking about yes. that. Like even. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Always. Yes. But that, <laughs> Thank you. And that, we're like, done. This book is really well written and I found incredibly compelling even when mm-hmm. it was hard to read. And even when I didn't like the characters because it was so well written and like. It's the book itself is a rich text. Like there's a lot of layers with like mirrors and twinning 
and mm-hmm. religion and fatherhood. And, and I, I do like a book that I, I read and I put down and I'm like, I can't wait to talk about this. So yeah. thank you all. I, yeah. I will firmly state no book needs to be this long. No, no <laughs> book yes. needs to Absolutely be this long. It is an insanely long book. Yeah, It, it is 900 make... pages. <laughs> it's so it dense. It didn't make me want to see read um, Wally Lamb's other very famous one, She's Come Undone, mm. because mm-hmm. I thought it would be yeah. really interesting to see something that is more about the female experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one problem I had with the TV show, and it's really brief, I felt like the TV show was mostly about this man and his schizophrenic brother. And the book is about so much more than that. It's about Mm -hmm. masculinity and the prison that masculinity can become and how we try to achieve love and race in America and Mm -hmm. how white people can abuse their power towards people of color. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of understandably, because, you know, maybe it's a show that is just about Mark Ruffalo winning an Emmy, which he will (laughs) definitely do. He's great in it. But it feels like Mark Ruffalo twins he's playing twins um it doesn't a tale feel, of two ruffles tale of two ruffles started yeah. off saying um yeah it doesn't feel like it is encompassing the entire inner world of this man the way the book is able to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I will say watching it after having finished the book was really great because i could see some of the themes coming out early on and the ways that they had adapted it so like when Thomas cuts his hand off and he's in the hospital and he's begging them not to reattach it. In the show, he shouts out, I need you to defend me for once. I need you to defend me for once, Mm. which is a very explicit statement of the theme that Dominic never defends him. And this is, in fact, the first time that he ever is like, you know what? He has agency. He gets to keep his hand or lose his hand as he so decides. Yeah. And, um, Also, there was a visual, like, Dana, you were just talking about twinning in mirrors. Uh, There's that scene that happens early on when the mom is sick and and Thomas is like, I thought we were going to go to McDonald's. And then he, like, gets out of the car and runs away and they find him, uh, Dominic finds him in the river, standing in a river, and then they go to McDonald's. And then at the end of Thomas's life, he goes to McDonald's, gets that happy meal, and then later is found in the river. Mm. And I thought that that was a really interesting Mm. mirror image. I like thinking that if Mark Ruffalo does win an Emmy for this, that it starts a trend for all A-list actors to find the twin story for them to then, (laughs) like, I just love thinking of Meryl Streep being like, I'm going to do a, I'm going to find a twin story and this is going (laughs) to be the one I'm going to use to win another Oscar. Like, I I want there to be a trend of all of these a-list actors just finding the perfect oh, yeah. twin well, story. It just James means... Franco just did that in The Deuce. Yeah. Um, it... it is, frankly, it is the worst part of The Deuce. The Deuce <laughs> is such a good show by its I... final season. <laughs> I and it... um, the most irritating part is James Franco is a twin. Two James Sorry. Francos, one is enough. One is yeah, too much. more than enough. <laughs> Honestly, I, do, I, can't, I can't even talk about James Franco. No, I think it's just but, a lesson that we all as writers need to start writing uh, twin scripts and twin <laughs> books because then we'll get A-list actors to be in our shows. Okay. Um, here, here. Here, here. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a lovely note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. And thank you uh, to anyone else who, who read through this book. Uh, God bless you uh, for making it through all the trauma and suffering. Uh, this was really fun.
That's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dana Schwartz, and you can find me on Twitter at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. You can follow Jennifer Wright at Jen Ashley Wright. Karama Dankwa is at Karama Drama. Melissa Hunter is at Melissa FTW. And Tian Tran is smart enough to have gotten off Twitter, but she is on Insta at Hank Tina. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis, and we're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to David Wasserman. And if you're getting ready to read our next book, we're diving into Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff, which is being adapted on HBO. For next week, we just discuss part one, like the first section of the book, which is like page one to 106. So don't worry, you don't have to read too far or don't read it all. Again, this is an English class. There's no quiz. Listen next week. Popcorn Book Club is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side side.